Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. When the great crowd of the Jews learned that he was there, they came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death as well, since it was on account of him that many of the Jews were deserting and were believing in Jesus. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to go meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, they then remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. It was also because they heard that he had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet him. The Pharisees then said to one another, You see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever been told that you are just too much? Have you ever been told that you're not enough? What gave you the courage to believe a different truth? Well, Mary, who we meet today in John's gospel, has been told her whole life that she is just too much. Too much to handle, too much to take care of. She didn't quite fit in anywhere that she went. She asked too many questions. She got too close to religious power. Every time that she was told, Mary, you're just too much, she well knew that the underlying message was actually you're not enough. This is the mantra she carried inside of herself. I'm not enough. Not enough of a human being because she's a woman. The second class status was magnified because she was single. And truth be told, she wasn't even that good at being a woman. Her sister Martha, after all, was the model of womanhood, cooking and cleaning and sewing. But Mary was different. 
She sat alone at lunch reading books, spent her nights not sewing or cleaning or fixing her hair, but instead staring at the stars, contemplating the wideness of the universe, her small place among it. She didn't fit in. She wasn't enough. We know Mary's story. We hear echoes of that same mantra in our own lives, voices from without and within saying, you're not enough. And often people don't actually have to say those words. We get it from a closed door or a cruel look, a salary differential, being unwelcome at our family's table. Maybe it's that we don't dress right or look right or love the right person. We have the wrong job or no job. Our family is not the right shape. We're too young or too old. The world says, you're a little too much. I've had all of you I can handle. You're not enough. We wonder what can give us the courage to really believe a different truth. Mary was too much and so not enough in the eyes of the world. Perhaps this is one of the reasons she was drawn so deeply to Jesus and that Jesus was drawn to Mary. Their kindred spirits, these friends who had been through so much together. Over the years, they shared meals and laughter, tears and wine. They could sit in silence with each other. These are the kind of friends that can communicate with just a look or a sly grin. They know what the other is thinking. They're practically one spirit, these two understanding one another. For Jesus, Jesus knew all too well what it was like to be told repeatedly that he was too much, too threatening, too rebellious, too cowardly, too impractical, too sacrilegious, too much. He healed people on the Sabbath, a day meant for inactivity, and was told by the religious leaders that he was working too much. You're too forgiving of sinners and disrespectful of laws, they said. His most recent act of being too much came in this very house, raising his dear friend Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother, from the dead. Jesus cried when he learned of Lazarus's death, too much emotion for a man to display. And then he raises him up so that Lazarus is now able to again sit and talk and eat a meal, and that really got people talking. You are too much when you start messing with the time-bound honored rules of life and death, they muttered. This got the leader suspicious, tempted towards violence. Jesus knew the underlying message was always, you're not enough. Not enough of a Messiah. For you're not even protecting us from the Roman government. Isn't that what you came to do? You could take over the world, Jesus, people said. The devil said. And instead, you waste your time eating with tax collectors and touching hemorrhaging women and lepers, interrupting stonings and talking to a Samaritan woman at the well. How is this going to change anything? You're not enough, Jesus, to have the kind of power in the world that we want, not, not enough to make a difference. So what a relief for these two to be in one another's company, Mary and Jesus to find somebody else who understands intimately what it feels like to carry around that phrase, you're not enough. This was a home for a man, for Jesus, who gave up having his own home. There's a sweetness and a joy and a comfort in this moment. 
Quickly, however, the peace became clouded by the fact that this would be their last meal together. Because it is six days before the Passover, Jesus is headed off to Jerusalem, where all those who tell him that he is not enough will make a violent public display of his body on a cross. And they're going to do that as a warning to others who try to be too much. Jesus is threatening, and he is soon to be threatened. This hangs over the air. Mary was afraid that his impending death would be too much for her to handle. She began to wonder for the first time in his presence if she was indeed enough of a friend to be present with him through this dangerous and difficult time. Was she enough to help prepare him for death? But Mary knew she knew that he would be facing the cries of too much and not enough over and over again in the coming week from friend and foe alike. And she could not be part of that chorus. She couldn't let her feelings overwhelm her and convince her to hide or ignore the pain. No, she decided this was her moment to minister to Jesus the same way that he had ministered to her. She needed to let him know that he was never too much and always more than enough. She was able to draw on that courage that he always gave her so that she could be present for him now. And what did Mary do? She poured out love, abundant, extravagant, endless love. Mary knew that when it comes to the love of God, the extravagant grace of Jesus, the abundant, welcoming, worshiping spirit that lives and breathes and moves within us all, there's no such thing as too much. For the first time in her life, Jesus looked into her eyes and she really got it. She really believed that I'm enough. And then so what other response is there when you're finally seen for who you are, welcomed and loved and saved, you know that you belong, that you're saved from a world of hate and cruelty and oppression, of subtle snubbing and overt cruelty, telling and showing you that you don't belong, keeping you on the margins. What other response is there but to pour out love? So Mary poured it all out. She didn't hold anything back. All the love that she had, all the money that she had, her most prized possession. She poured out upon Jesus fragrances of grace and reverence and intimacy, oil of acceptance and awe and compassion, sweet nard of joy and hope and gratitude displayed with her whole body. And right in the midst of pouring out love, anointing Jesus with perfume, Judas interrupts and he shouts out an all too familiar reaction. She must be stopped. Mary is too much. Jesus, he pleads, Mary spent too much on this perfume. She's wasting it on a ridiculous act of love, an absurd act that is too much, too inappropriate, too scandalous for a woman like her. She's always been too much, Jesus, you know that. Now look at her. This must be stopped. Judas had gotten used to stopping things, stopping people. He feared this kind of love that seemed like it would be too much. Now he's chastising himself for having such foolish hope in a savior who wouldn't be threatening to the government. So Judas decides he might as well let Jesus go, numb the pain, get it over with. 
inform the authorities and make this pain faster. No need to drag it out. Might as well align himself with those who are living, who could have some real power over his daily life moving forward. He's always done what's needed to survive and today's no different. Why shouldn't he stop Mary and use that money for someone who isn't headed towards death? But Jesus says, Judas, leave her alone. Leave Mary alone, let her be. For Jesus knows that there is no price on extravagant recognition. Friends, have you ever been told that you are just too much or that you're not enough? What gave you the courage to believe a different truth? Here we are, today is Palm Sunday. We are so close to Jesus's death that we can smell it. And we are so tempted to believe the lies of the world, the lies of the devil, saying you're not enough, you're too much. Love is a waste of time, power and money and violence. That's what's real. And we can be tempted like Judas to betray what we know to be true and good so that we can feel safe, or let's be honest, have the illusion of safety. We're skeptical of extravagant love and a world that preaches scarcity again and again and again. We're afraid of vulnerability and abundance, bodily displays of affection and a world that constantly shouts too much, it must be stopped. We are Mary and we are Judas, trying to follow Jesus the best way we know how looking for some kind of love and recognition, a sign that we belong. We need love to pour out. We wave our palms along with that crowd, welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem because it takes courage to follow Jesus, to believe against all the odds that our savior is love, love, not power, presence, not posturing, life, not death. It takes great courage for Jesus to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, for this is no celebration. It's actually a protest parade. The religious leaders were also marching in for the Passover, and Jesus is showing a different way in direct opposition. And of course, that great crowd gathered there will quickly abandon him. They will betray him. And Jesus, he's going to face punishment on a cross. And yet, in the last week of his life, Jesus will echo Mary and he's going to pour out love. In the Last Supper, taking the cup, proclaiming forgiveness, telling not just the disciples, but the whole world that he is never going to abandon us. And he will take his body and pour out love, just like Mary, by bending over and washing feet, touching what was taboo to touch, showing love not through speeches or gifts, but by showing intimacy with his body, caring for the bodies of others. Jesus will touch the places in our lives where we are hurting and broken and empty. Because in the midst of a world that is always shouting, you are not enough, pushing people away, encouraging us to draw boundaries between each other, God, God pours out love, 
pours it out, pours out abundant, extravagant, endless love. For God poured God's self into a human body, knowing what it's like to love, to be rejected, to walk around with dirty feet, to go hungry, also to enjoy meals and touch bodies, to violate every law about power and status and importance that the world puts forth. And what does the world do? The world shouts, God must be stopped, crucify him. And they will. On Friday, they will, we will. And we will feel like we are not enough in the face of death. The good news is, <laughs> as much as the world tries to stop God, God never stops. Take courage, friends. Take heart. Nothing the world can do, nothing that we can do will ever stop God. For life will triumph over death. Jesus' body will once again walk on this earth resurrected. And we will be saved for eternity from all those voices that shout futility. For through the resurrection, God stares down death, looks us in the face and says, my beloveds, you are never too much. You are always enough. You will always have eternal life with me and be welcome at my table. God, God is love poured out. Extravagant, boundless, endless love through Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.